Welcome in to a Wednesday morning edition of the Locked On Knicks podcast. Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf with you. We're going to talk over our wish list for the rest of this Knicks season. Get into just about everything we want to happen, both stuff that's realistic and some things that are maybe less realistic. But hey, we're dreamers. But first, we're going to get into some of the news that you may have missed or may not have missed over the All-Star break. The Knicks signed Shirley, future Hall of Famer. Henry Ellenson to a 10-day contract. There's rumors that maybe James Dolan wants to sell the team, but probably not. And Kyrie and KD were kind of, you know, flirting around a little bit at All-Star Weekend. All that and more next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Knox foul from behind, counting at one. What he does is contagious. Robinson with a catch and slam. Across the lane to Trier. Trier drives Because infectious. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. I'm Gavin Shaw alongside Alex Wolf. Uh, I'm coming off uh, a week of beautiful weather. In Orlando, Florida, I also got a week away from you hooligans, uh, which was kind of sad, um, kind of uh, relaxing to not think about having to do a podcast every day. Alex, um, as he always is, was the workhorse who stayed behind and uh, got some work done. But but you fit in you fit in a great Valentine's Day in between, I've heard. So, uh, oh, hopefully it all worked out. Yeah, it was good. I had a nice Valentine's Day. You know, I I cooked. I kind of. I screwed up some pizza dough. You know, I, I was trying to make my own and I'd never done it before and it came out kind of dense. So that kind of sucked, but it wasn't the worst thing I've ever cooked in my whole life. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting better at it. But yeah, it was, it was good. You know, we had a good time. I had some guests on and stuff, but I'm glad you're back. I'm glad you had some, you know, some nice games, nice fun in the sun down there at the worldwide, bleh, wide world of sports, that tongue twister of a goddamn stadium. Yeah, it's it's the first time all winter my skin hasn't been completely translucent, so that that's really the uh, the biggest upside. All right, uh, with that, we're going to get into the uh, news of the week that you you might have missed out on. Um, I, I would I would posit um, the the biggest thing that happened was uh, the rumor that came via um, my guy uh, Billy Simmons, who said on his podcast that the biggest takeaway that he had from All-Star Weekend is that he heard from about four or five different people that James Dolan was looking to potentially sell the Knicks this summer with the idea being that he was more interested in just owning the Garden and having more money around doing different events at the Garden and that owning the Knicks had become kind of a drain uh, on him um, for I can't imagine why everyone loves the guy. But um, and, and I assume I don't think Simmons talked about this, but I assume part of the rationale is um, if they were to theoretically get two superstars, like the value would essentially never be higher unless those superstars go on to win a title. So that, that was kind of my understanding of the situation. Alex, did you kind of have like an immediate reaction to this off the bat, something visceral, something like, oh, like this is like this is it. Everything's coming together. What, what were kind of your thoughts? Yeah, well, let me I'll read the quote from Simmons real quick first, just that he said on the podcast. He said, multiple people told me this who know things. James Dolan is courting offers for the Knicks. It's happening. It's on. It's go time. 
He's courting offers for the Knicks. That's what I heard at All-Star Weekend from people I trust. So my thoughts on this initially are I will believe it when I see it. I will not necessarily believe this from Bill Simmons, who I think is plugged in with the Celtics and all things Boston because he's from Boston. But I really don't. I don't know how he of all people would know uh, anything about James Dolan, who's kind of media verse and, you know, only speaks to the media or does anything with the media on his own terms or from the Knicks who, you know, at least in the, in the Steve Mills, Scott Perry regime seem to be uh, pretty tight lipped as far as letting things slip to the media. So I, uh, I, I'm not totally buying it. You know what I mean? I just, I don't think it's going to happen. And, you know, if, if Dolan would sell now or anytime before like the Knicks actually take the court with like an all-star roster, uh, I think it would be foolish because you could argue, as you just said, that, that the value might never be higher if they signed uh, Durant and say Kyrie and had Zion Williamson or something. I mean, of course that would be amazing, but the reality is, is that the value would go up even higher if they won a title uh, or something along those lines or, or made multiple ECF runs or even just a finals run, even if they didn't win, like whatever, like that's going to jack the price up. That's what, that's what really I think brings the value up of these franchises more so than anything. Um, on top of the fact that, I mean, it's just going to take, it's going to take a ridiculous offer. Like even, even today, I was actually, I was just on the Gotham, uh, Gotham sports, nothing but Nick's podcast yesterday as a guest. And I speculated there. I was like, dude, I, I really think that it would take like, they were just valued at four billion in Forbes. I think it would take at least six to yeah. pry them away from Dolan. Like, and that is just a huge amount of money. Like, because my baseline for that, and I just like wrote a little article about this on posting and toasting, is that the Clippers, the very year that they sold for two billion, were valued at five hundred and seventy-five million. I think on that same Forbes list. So they sold for almost quadruple what they were listed as on the Forbes list and the value immediately went up, but like, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. It's going to take just an ungodly amount of money to get the Knicks away from him. And I, I just don't see it really happening unless someone is that crazy to do it. I I don't know, man. Jeff Bezos really wants to get into New York and he has the capital for it. I Um, do not want Jeff Bezos getting teams (laughs) because he would move the team to like, yeah, like, the no, he would he would move them to like uh like Siberia or something. Like it would just be like, yeah, go watch your fucking Knicks in Russia, you know, <laughs> you bastards. Like you guys stop me from putting my zillion dollar HQ in here and getting like you know ten zillion dollars of tax breaks. Yeah, and KP would come out the next day to be like, I actually saw this coming. That's why I wanted to leave. Um, anywho. Uh, the, the other thing uh, you mentioned in there is kind of the essential factor to how much James Dolan could potentially get to the Knicks is the idea of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant joining forces. And, and we saw over All-Star Weekend a little bit of a basketball flirtation between those two. I remember preseason, the whole narrative was that, oh, you know what, Kyrie and um, and Jimmy Butler are best friends and they want to play together. And I remember even talking about it from a Nets perspective at, at the beginning of the year, I was like, oh, well, you know what? Like, that's like an interesting avenue. Like if the Nets, like, w- like would the Nets even be like willing to like pay Jimmy Butler that much money? Like, could they afford to, like if they wanted to get Kyrie? And, and then there was all this talk about Kyrie and KD. And then there was all this talk about Kyrie and Anthony Davis 
being best friends and Kyrie and LeBron reuniting. So is I think I think everyone just loves Kyrie is my biggest takeaway, except for Celtics fans who are probably just frustrated by him at this point. But I, I don't it's almost like tough to keep up with just how many different intricate relationships run through Kyrie Irving. And, and in a lot of ways, he's almost the biggest domino this summer, even though guys like Durant and Kawhi are better players on the court. But but what did you what would you kind of think of that over the weekend and obviously like that one on one game they had which was just kind of fun to watch. Yeah, I just thought it was cute, you know, all their all their little like uh, basketball flirtation. You know, they had their little one on one game. There was like the shot of Durant like doing his post uh, All Star MVP speech and nobody stayed around to watch it except for Kyrie, uh, and he stayed back there like chilling. Then there was that like video that i just i can't i can't believe it's i i like i can't think that it's actually real there was that video that was like shot in the hallway of the arena and it was like them talking and people were like trying to like parse what they're saying because they're speaking in like kind of low tones and nobody was within like you know 15 feet of them but people were like videoing it and you could you think you can hear Kyrie saying like two max slots and like Durant saying like, blah, 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 the Knicks. And I just, <laughs> I have a really hard time believing that that's real. Yeah. Uh, or that maybe they were just doing it just to fool with people just yeah. like intentionally. But like, I don't know. I mean, it definitely seems like they like each other. So I suppose like if Durant being this like surefire thing coming to the Knicks is actually a thing, then maybe Kyrie coming to the Knicks is also a thing if they're also like really good buddies. But I, I, I'm like, I'm still, you know, I'm becoming more and more optimistic that the Durant thing is going to happen just because of all of like the breadcrumbs at this point. And the fact that so many like well-respected reporters seem to be talking about it more like an inevitability than anything. Um, But Kyrie, I'm not so sure about just yet. I mean, I feel like his situation might, actually have something to do with like how far his team makes it in the playoffs or something along those lines plus there was all the rumblings that he might want to go play with lebron in la or something like i don't know i don't know what to make Kyrie. he's kind of an enigma he's kind of a weird dude yeah i feel like yeah there's I, i'm on 100 agree with, with you i feel like he's both the in in a sense he, he is the biggest domino of the summer not just because of the myriad of connections he has to all these different guys but also because he is the one where there are just so many different avenues it can go. And I guess those two are kind of tied together. I'm trying to think. We, we, had, we had one more thing we wanted to touch on. Okay. Henry Ellenson, man. Henry Ellenson. Your, your brother. Your long-lost brother, Henry Ellenson. Yeah. You know, it's a funny story about the Henry Ellenson thing. I, so I just tweeted, like, right before we were getting on to record here, I tweeted out a picture of him kind of like, clowning on him because like the picture that i found to run for like my pnt story on it was he looked kind of dopey and then i tweeted right after like man you know i want to make fun of this dude but like we kind of look like we could be brothers or something um and then craig from the hard nicks life podcast sends me a dm he's like dude i could have sworn that that was actually a picture of you photoshopped on a random player's body <laughs> and i thought that was actually you so yeah henry ellenson my long lost brother who knew? I just I found that very funny. I I guess that says a lot about what I look like, I guess. I guess I'm kind of a dope as it turns out. But yeah, I <laughs> I don't know. They're signing him to a 10 day contract. I don't know how you feel about his actual basketball abilities, Kevin. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know. I was like, I remember being like both like I was like I was kind of intrigued by him when he was a college recruit, and then he was a little disappointing at Marquette, and then he was a top five pick. Like I, I don't know. Like I might be like retroactively um, revising this in my mind um, to make me sound smarter, but I, I, I think I was generally like kind of mystified and like why he was considered a top five pick. I'm like, he like, cause he just like, wasn't like, like he, he was, he was big and he could, he could kind of shoot, but he didn't really do any one thing exceptionally well. Like he's not like a great athlete. He's like nice enough, like touch. Like he, he just like, he literally feels like a guy like who like should have been a top 10 pick, like in like the 1950s and like somehow like, I mean, the Pistons thought it was still a good idea to take him, but I mean, well, yeah, he was, I, I mean, clearly other teams thought that he wasn't, worthy of a top 10 pick either because he went to he went 18th i think overall that oh, year he, oh okay maybe oh i guess i'm totally misremembering this i remember him being projected as he was player. definitely he was projected some people were like i remember some people that year got super high on him when we were like i could i could see justifying spending a, a top you know top seven or eight pick on him and then on the draft day he fell and everybody was like like depending on the analyst was like, oh, that's weird, and then they were like, oh, what a what a steal for, you know, the Pistons. They got Henry Ellis and so late, blah blah blah. And yeah, I don't know. It's I'm just double checking that draft slot though. No, no, show. you're right. You're right. I just yeah, 18th. Yeah, 18th. Yeah, but, but you know, Alex, Alex, he is he is only 22 years old. So and that's he's, three he's years older than Kevin Knox. <laughs> yeah, he was only 19. Yeah, something. Yeah, he could. I don't know. I, I don't know what to think of him either. I mean, I will say like he's he's been a kind of a killer in the G League, and the Knicks have had a pretty good track record of helping guys translate what they do in the G League into the NBA. So maybe you know they'll be able to do something with him in that regard. Regardless, I don't really care. You know what I mean? It's like they're signing into a ten day contract in a lost season. Like who really cares? But. I, I'm intrigued to see what he has. Supposedly, I, I'm not going to claim to know at all about him, really, because I remember, like, very vaguely what I thought of him going into that draft. But, like, I, other than that, I don't really have any opinions on him since then. But I will say that, like, a lot of what I read about, like, his scouting profiles and stuff say he's pretty good at, at handling the ball. So maybe he'll, like give sort of a weird impression of what Vonley gives out there minus the defense, like as far as being able to bring the ball down the floor as a big and like rebounding kind of well. So I don't know. I guess those are my only thoughts on him, but we'll see when he gets on the court. Thankfully we've only got, you know, a few more days and then he'll be on the court and we can judge him there hopefully on Friday night. Yeah. I think my, my best case scenario for the way this season ends. So I guess I'm, I'm preempting my wish list a little bit here is that um, um, once, like, the 40 days uh, run out for Kadeem Allen and uh, John Jenkins and Ellenson and, like, all those guys, like, um, just somehow um, end up back on the Westchester Knicks. And then the Westchester Knicks just go on this this great run. Like, all these guys got NBA reps. Like, they were super confident. They win every game by, like, 25 points on the way to an NBA G League title. And it's kind of like the college football thing where everyone's like, oh, could Alabama beat the Browns? Like, I want there to be a national conversation about if the Westchester Knicks could beat the New York Knicks in a game, and I wanted to get to a point where they have to stage an 83rd game, an exhibition on MSG, and it's kind of like the Super Bowl for this Knicks team to end the season. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I think uh, I think I, I want to see, <laughs> see the W Knicks win a title, too. I think that would be sick. Yeah, that'd be cool. All right, okay, we'll wrap up this first segment. We'll come back. Uh, we'll get started. Again, This is we're, we're going to probably end up taking this to two parts, but we'll, we'll give you our initial thoughts on our wish list for the New York Knicks the rest of the season. 
Welcome back into Locked On Knicks. I'm Alex. He's Gavin. We're doing our, our wish list now, now that we got all that pesky post-All-Star news out of the way. Not that, I mean, it was kind of fun. The news is cool. You know, it was, it was fun news. But now we're getting our our meat of this show and our next show, which is our Knicks wish lists for post-All-Star break to end this season. Because even though it's not technically that halfway point, like the All-Star break is usually viewed as sort of the the spiritual halfway point of the season where, I mean, I guess like if you count the playoffs and stuff, it's, it's more like halfway, but you know, we're Knicks fans. We don't, we don't count the playoffs. <laughs> what are the playoffs? Um, but at any rate, so I'm going to get right into my first wish list item for this second quote unquote half of the season for the Knicks. And that is directed like directly at David Fisdale here. Uh, David Fisdale, please resist the urge to play Emmanuel Moutier big minutes. I am begging you. Okay. The reason for this is he's not nearly as important now with Dennis Smith Jr. here uh, because you have Dennis Smith Jr. who basically does everything that Moutier does but better and who's on a rookie contract so you don't have to pay Dennis Smith any decent money after this year, which Moutier is the exact opposite. Moutier is going to be a restricted free agent and you'd have to pay him or match him or whatever, but kind of runs counter to the whole idea of signing a bunch of big free agents this year. So that feels like it's not going to happen most likely. And like, even from Moutier's perspective, I, I think at this point he has enough tape that he can, you know, make a, a reasonable case to teams trying to sign him. So I don't know. I guess my, overarching thought here again is just don't play him at least don't play him much like and gavin i'm gonna i'm gonna do something right here that'll kind of lead into your first wish list wish list item since we had a little bit of overlap here uh i would say that like if i was going to make an ideal rotation of how i want things to go for the rest of the year in the backcourt at least as far as point guard minutes go i would want dennis smith jr playing about 30 minutes a night i would want frank nilakina playing like 25 to 30 minutes a night and of those minutes, I would want Dennis Smith and Frank playing together for about half of them. And then for the other half, I'd want Smith playing with some other two guard. And I'd want Nilakina playing about 15 minutes as the point guard with another two guard, be it Trier, Dotson, maybe even Moutier to a little extent. But like Moutier off guard is the lead guard. And that's kind of how I want things to go. And that eats up like 45 minutes out of 48. So... I mean, I guess you could put Moutier in there for an extra minutes or whatever, but that's that's roughly how I want things to go with point guard. And sucks for Moutier because he kind of figured his career out this year, which is good for him. But I, I don't think he's part of the future plans anymore. Yeah, so that's that's essentially what I did. Uh, my first wish list item was just kind of building out my ideal rotation for the rest of the season. I, I just divided it by kind of position group. So I, I gave ninety six. I allocated ninety six total minutes to all the guards and hopefully did my math correctly. Um, I had um, a pretty similar to yours. I had DSJ at 25, Frank at 25, um, Alonzo Chur at 25, Kadeem Allen at 15, and, and Moutier at one. Um, we can we can allocate that one minute somewhere else, but I feel like if he, if he really wants to play, we can uh, we can just save that for him. And it would kind of satisfy Fizdo and satisfy Moutier. Probably not, but maybe. Um, yeah, I guess I guess my rationale on that is um, I just like I, I think I would have previously leaned more towards putting DSJ at 30 and, and Trier down 
at 20 or maybe keeping Gideon Allen at 10. But I just I love like everything we saw from Trier um, before the All-Star break. And I want to and this is, um, I guess, kind of impinging on um, maybe some of the stuff we're going to have in tomorrow's podcast. But I, I just kind of I want to see if he can maintain a certain level of efficiency and his willingness to be a little bit more of a ball mover than he was earlier in the season. And if, if those are things that can stay consistent, I think it deserves to play 25 minutes a game. If not, you can knock um, five minutes off and, and reallocate it to one of those other guys, depending on who's playing well. But I, I, I love the idea of um, Frank getting those 25 minutes and um, being allowed to just really show what he can do without pressure of being yanked um, if he messes up. And as far as DSJ goes, I feel like he's carrying such a heavy load anyways. If you want to extend that past 25, I think there's it's going to be inversely proportional to his efficiency, and you're going to lose a little bit there. And then Kadeem Allen, we've talked about this a lot, but I just think he's an absolute joy. I think he's a legit NBA player. I, I think he makes the guys on the court, um, the other guys on the court better in a way that's dramatically different than what we saw from Moutier and Burke, and you can make even an argument that his unselfishness is a little bit more conducive to his teammates' success relative to DSJ. So I think he should still be in that rotation as long as he's on, as long as he's on the team. Obviously, um, once he's forced to go back down to the G League, um, you can you can mess around with that a little bit. But those are kind of my initial thoughts in the guard rotation. Yeah, I'll, I'll like fully admit that I totally forgot about Kadeem Allen for a second there, which is a huge oversight on my part because I actually really like Kadeem Allen too. Um, just still not quite used to him being on the team just yet since he's only been here for a spell. But yeah, I definitely agree. Like I, when I was talking about those off guard minutes, you know, with either, with either Smith or Frank, I think Kadeem Allen's kind of an ideal fit for that. Cause I think, I don't know if Kadeem's necessarily like he's played the point pretty well in the last few games when he's been asked to, but I, I think that as like an off guard who, you know, isn't necessarily tasked with bringing the ball up every single time. He, he could be useful as well, uh, just kind of filling that like combo guard role where, especially with like Frank, you know, maybe you even split up their uh, like bring it down the court touches like 70, 30, 60, 40, something like that. Get Frank a little more to try to give him a little bit more opportunity to grow his skill set in that regard, but also give Allen, you know, some chances with that to kind of steady the offense and do his thing. Um I, I think that could definitely be useful. So, yeah, I mean, just all in all, just with all the guys that we now have, it does – I feel like it leaves Moutier on the outside looking in, and I, f- I feel slightly bad for that, but I really don't because I just – I don't really have too much attachment to him, like, as a player. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. – it's I'm not heartbroken over the idea of Emmanuel Moutier, like, getting shafted for the rest of the year just because I never really wanted to grow that attached to him anyway because I am I was never in love with the idea of, like, re-signing him after this year or something to, you know, any sort of a contract because I just don't – I don't think he's the type of guy that you pay anything more than, like, a couple million a year to because he's really not much more than, like, maybe your backup point guard or like third string scoring point guard on a decent team. If I, if I had to like give him a long-term role. Yeah. You know, if you, when you bring in DSJ to sling that wood, it's, it's inevitable that someone's going to get shafted and it's unfortunate, but in this <laughs> situation, it, it is Emmanuel Moutier. But I guess, I guess just from a pure basketball perspective, um, to your point, I, I think, I think you make a really astute observation just in the sense that um, Frank and, and Kitty Mallon is, is okay at this, but, um, both of those guys aren't um, necessarily elite breakdown guys. Like maybe that's a skill that Frank develops. And for Kadeem Allen, like he's quick, but he's just obviously he's not just like that elite 
um, elite tier athlete, while Trier and DSJ are very good at breaking down a defense. So I, I kind of like the dynamic of of having um, some combination of those two guys, like DSJ with one of Frank or Kadeem or Alonzo with one of Frank or Kadeem. So you kind of have that initial breakdown of the defense, and then you could kick it out to one of them against the scrambling defense, and it's a little bit more tenable with their relative lack of physical gifts for them to make something happen in those situations. And they're actually more unselfish than DSJ and Trier are, so I think it's a little bit more likely that they'd actually be willing to make a play off the ball in that situation. And I think you could kind of create good floor balance that way. And we've, we've already talked about a lot, like how Trier and Allen have that chemistry going back to their time at the, uh, at least in my household, hated uh, U of A. So I, I, I do think there are some interesting combinations there. And in my mind, I mean, on what's a team that's obviously horrible, like that's kind of a pretty ideal guard rotation, if, if not in terms of talent, just in terms of how the guys balance each other out. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You're not going to catch any disagreement from me in that respect. I think we're, I think we're pretty much, you know, now that we're now that we're the Porzingis trade, we're back to just agreeing on everything. We need to find something new to disagree on. <laughs> we, need, we need something to like blow up the franchise again. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know. I, I don't know what could possibly split us apart again to the I, extent I better, that the Porzingis the trade. Pick, if they get the second pick, we'll probably disagree on. It. I would. I'd hope. I'd hope we disagree on it. I don't know. But that, that's a, that's a conversation for another day. All right. So I'll keep I'll keep rolling through this rotation. I want to I want to hear your thoughts on it. All right. So for forward, we have 96 minutes to allocate. Um, I had Kevin Knox at 25, which like part of me is like sort of hesitant about them because I feel like with how poorly he's played over the last month and a half, I'm like like I honestly like I mean there there are moments where like I really enjoy watching him and I want to always enjoy watching him, but he's kind of he's kind of frustrating right now. But I just feel like I mean on this team in this situation, like and I, I guess there there's kind of a split argument on like whether it's good for a guy's development to play in big minutes and just let him suck. Um, but I, I guess I ultimately fall into the category of like, you know, like the best thing you can do for a guy, like as long as you don't totally crush his confidence. And I, I don't see that happening with Knox is it, just to let him play through it and get some reps and let him try himself against different situations, against different defenders and, and, and see what he can do. So I, I guess I broke, I, I broke in that direction and decided to lean towards more minutes for Knox. Um, then, um, I mean, two guys who aren't, or I guess more so like shooting guards, but I play at small forward, uh, Dotson 20 minutes, um, John Jenkins, who probably won't be on this team forever, 20 minutes. And that, I, I guess, I mean, I can, I can kind of take away another, uh, one of my other ones, like, and that was just having John Jenkins in the rotation. I, I just think it makes everyone's life easier to have a, a shooter on the floor. And, and now those 20 minutes aren't going to be tenable against some teams because I, I mean, this premise is essentially that. You're playing Knox at the four and Dot or Jenkins at the three and going kind of small. And, and some teams are just going to bully you if, if you have that grouping out there. So I have Vonley 10, Hizonia 10, and Cornette 10. And I guess, like at least in my mind, that's, that's more like instead of those three guys actually all playing 10 minutes a game, it's like, okay, who's playing well on this particular night? And like that guy's going to play 20, and then one of the other two is going to play 10. So I guess that's sort of how it broke down for me. But I guess like the two big things to take away there is I, I would just give Knox 25 minutes almost regardless of how he's playing. And I'd prioritize having shooting on the floor versus size because I think that's more conducive to the development of the other young guys on the team. Yeah, I uh, I, I don't think you're going to be having to like pull your hair out about Knox getting 25 minutes because it seems like Fisdale is content to run him out there for at least 35 a game. So yeah, I think we're going to be shaped at least as far as that's concerned. As far as the rest of the guys, like I agree with Dot and Jenkins. Um, I would definitely like, 
I mean, Jenkins, like, I, I, I like what he's bringing to the team. Um, I, I don't know necessarily how much, like, development time I want to invest into him. Uh, just because he's already, like, what, 27, 28 years old. Um, I feel like he's probably reached his peak, sort of, already. Like, his peak might actually be, like, a, like a third, fourth string, you know, combo, guard, forward, whatever. Um, but he definitely provides something that this team doesn't have right now, which is spot up shooting and movement shooting, which are good things to have. So, I, you know, I definitely want to give him minutes through the rest of the year, I think. And I'd like to sign him, I think, to a to like a minimum deal for the rest of the year rather than just the 10 day contracts. Um, now, obviously, with Ellenson in the fold, give him a couple minutes to see what he's made of, I guess, you know, maybe like 10 a game, something like that. So that might be a little difference with your rotation in there. Um, I would probably put his minutes at the expense of someone like Hazonia, who we already have the book on at this point, and clearly is not a guy that's like, that should be in the future plans or is worth, you know, investing any resources in. And, uh, you know, he's probably just going to expire at the end of this year and either sign some sort of small, another reclamation project deal with some other team or end up in China scoring 80 points a game or something like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, other than that, like, I, I mostly agree with your assessment. I definitely want Dotson playing consistent minutes, uh, be it at the, sh- the shooting guard or the small forward, whatever his, like, nominal position is, but I like him out there. Um, and yeah, I guess that's basically my thoughts, you know what I mean? Like, I definitely, I still want to play, play Vonley, like, I think Vonley's, I'm hoping that going to kind of snap his skid that he's been on, because he, he actually did look like a guy that, I would be interested in, uh, you know, signing after the season for, for most of the season. But um, maybe they could even leave him on the bench, though, and then the last memory everybody will have of him is him sucking, so the Knicks can sign him for basically nothing, and then he can play good next year. But who knows? I guess we'll see what the strategy is there. But, um, yeah, at any rate, I think we should probably take our our second break here, just take a quick hiatus and come back and break down the final items on our wish list for this first episode of our wish list items. So let's take a quick break. We'll be right back and we'll get into that. Okay. All right. Let's, uh, I'll bring us back in um, three, two, one. Welcome back. One final time, third and final segment. Uh, we'll get into our ideal center rotation and then I'll, I'll throw some of my uh, Mitchell Robinson wish list oriented items over at Alex, but um, I, I guess, um, I mean, the split's pretty easy for me, especially since I had Cornette listed at power forward. Um, I had 25 minutes for Mitch and 23 for DeAndre Jordan. And I, I guess, like, at least in my mind, like, I'm of the opinion, like, play Mitch as many minutes as, like, he'll he's able to play without fouling out and um, without getting tired and risking injury. And at least in my mind, like, I felt like I felt like 25 was, like, maybe I'm being a little bit conservative but I also like I don't know I just like I feel like things are going so well with him I almost don't want to push my luck too much and play him more minutes like I'm so like terrified of him like getting hurt or like or again I mean I guess the more like realistic concern or like practical concern is that like he'll he'll just get into foul trouble and he won't be able to play more than that but Alex I know you have a different opinion on that than I do yeah so my this is my specific uh wish list items which was I want to give Mitch Robinson a chance to play 30 plus minutes regularly because my thought behind this is think that next year as a second year player, if things work out 
the way that we all want them to, and the Knicks actually make a splash in free agency and fingers go, which I'm becoming more sure of than the second thing, which is that they will get Zion Williamson. I'm, I'm like stealing myself up for the possibility that they don't get Zion Williamson, but let's just say that that all happens. And it looks like the Knicks are going to be a really good team next year. Uh, I think that he could realistically be a starter on that team on that theoretical like Kyrie KD Zion team and be a damn good starter um so I I want to hopefully see Fisdale try to start giving him 30 plus minutes a game when he can you know what I mean like don't like you said push it don't like let him if he looks like he's going to get into foul trouble or something you know pull the plug early make it one of those you know 15 to 20 minute Mitch games and try to head on straight but my point as far as that goes is I I ran his last 10 games numbers because it's been about his last 10 that he's been playing, you know, out of this world. And in his last 10 games, uh, per 36 minutes, he's averaging 17.5 points on 74.5% shooting, 13.1 rounds, 5 blocks, Jeez. and 1.2 steals. Uh, but most importantly, he's only averaging 3.8 fouls per minutes in his last 10 games which is more than manageable like honestly i think that three to four fouls is like perfectly normal and cool for a starting center in the nba so i mean just the the impact that he has on the game like i think i've brought this that up before but opponents shoot eight one percent worth inside of six feet when he's on the floor compared to when he's when he's not which is like just a ridiculous number like i mean if you think about it that's like that takes a player from shooting 60% inside of six feet to shooting 52% inside of six feet, which is not a particularly good number. He's doing that to pretty much anyone that gets into the paint against him. Um, I think he's, I, my honest opinion of him is I think he's been getting better at like a real crazy rate um, and adding things to his game on the fly. And I just think that it would be in the Knicks best, best interest at this point to sort of give to end his role and you know keep him out there for longer and see if he can handle that sooner than later and you could always pull the plug on it if you don't think that he can uh i'm probably also being selfish though gavin and i i mostly just really want to see as much mitch robinson as possible because he makes these games really really watchable lately yeah it really is like all the difference in the world like when he when he's on the court i'm engaged i'm locked in when he's off i'm like all right let's let's watch dennis smith jr uh try and try and make something happen all right, uh, I, I had some Mitch-specific ones, so I'll just I'll throw them out there, and you you can react how you want. Um, I I want him to lead the NBA in block shots post All Star break, and I don't think that's unreasonable at all, especially if he ends up playing over thirty minutes a game. I mean, he's third in the league right now, like really like not playing real minutes for most of the season. Um, you go per thirty per forty eight, which is ESPN's uh, metric of choice. He's averaging um, just under six blocks per forty eight minutes, which is over one block ahead of anyone else in the NBA. For 48 minutes, so I, I don't think that's unreasonable at all. And I honestly, like, if he if he does, like, end up playing 30 minutes the rest of the way, which I'm I'm not sure is actually going to happen just because I think um, Fisdale likes um, some of the stuff DeAndre Jordan brings um, in terms of directing a defense and stuff, even though, I mean, I would argue Mitch is, I mean, just clearly better at this point. But um, I, I do, do you think that's kind of a, a feasible thing that could happen? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, he's already... In terms of block percentage, um, 
I want to say he's probably like Tommy Beer. Tommy Beer's always got all these wacky, cool stats. Uh, I think that he posted the stat that Mitch, if if he would qualify with the the minimum playtime qualifiers, which he won't, most likely because he's only averaged like whatever it is, like less than twenty minutes a game so far this year, and he would need to average like thirty five minutes a game for the whole rest of the season for it to like even out or whatever. Uh, but if it weren't a consideration, he would have like the sixth highest block percentage of all time just for this season, which, which is insane. So, I mean, I think if he can keep getting consistent playing time, like he could easily lead the league in blocks per game for the rest of the season, like going forward, because he's just, he's insane. I, you know, I've, I've brought it up so many times already, like on here, but the ability that he has to block shots with both hands is like maybe the most dangerous thing I've ever seen on a defensive player because he like never has to reach across his body to block anything. And he just has that like freaky athleticism and it's realistic goal. I actually don't even think you're being lofty there. Yeah. Um, no, he really like, and like, I guess like we, we kind of, we, we kind of beat around the bush without directly saying this at points. Like he, he literally has like, Every single like, if you were to build a perfect shot blocker, you'd be maybe maybe you'd make him eight four instead of like seven one. But <laughs> you'd basically build uh, Mitchell Robinson. All right, uh, last two ones uh, on him. Um, I want him to get thrown at least five lobs per game. And I know now that he's actually like, playing consistently, like that's happening. And like he had that that stretch um, against uh, Jesus. Why am I forgetting the team uh, against the Sixers where he came on and was it the Sixers? Might have been the game before the Sixers where he just had like four lobs thrown to him in like a ten or like a five, six, seven minute stretch of basketball where he scored thirteen points. It wasn't the Sixers. It was whoever they played before the Sixers. But um, I want I want more of that. And uh, the final thing I want for Mitchell Robinson is, and, and he's like, he's come close on some of these moments when most people, like, he's so quick to the rim. He usually just beats guys there. But I, I know he's like, he's already sunned um, some popular players, namely Joel Embiid defensively. I, I'd like to see him do it offensively before the end of the season. And I thought this was kind of a big step for um, the guy I covered last year, Jared Allen, on the Nets, just like dunking on like some famous dudes. Like, I, I want to see him just like, catch an alley-oop on like some unsuspecting center like ideally I, I can't remember if we play philly again or not but ideally it would be Embiid. but if not someone in that vein and just absolutely destroy them that would be that'd be perfect for me yeah maybe start with one of his contemporaries like do it on, on like deandre ayton or something like that that would be a good place to start i think do the the knicks have to play the suns one more time this year right i don't know i don't know the schedule right in front of me i think i, I think they've only played person. once yeah but yeah, at any rate, I agree. I think that would be good for his confidence. Not that I think I don't think Mitch really like needs too much in the way of confidence. Like I think he's very quietly confident, but he still gasses guys up, you know, to be able to like like dunk on someone and especially someone famous like that. I actually hope I don't even know what their situation is right now because I haven't really been paying that close of attention lately. But I hope that Dwight Howard gets healthy for the Wizards and then he can dunk on Dwight Howard just because Dwight Howard is stupid. <laughs> it just comes back from butt surgery just to get destroyed by the second round pick. And I, I think, I think that would, that would be it for him in the NBA. And yeah, I was wrong. They do, they do play Phoenix one more time on, um, in the two weeks actually on March 6th. So that'll be, that'll be a good one to watch out for. All right. Um, I think Alex, unless you have like, um, a final Mitch related, uh, point, uh, we can wrap up this first part of our uh, wishlist podcast. Yeah, let's wrap it up. I think, I think I'm good. I'm satisfied.
Okay, cool. All right, so we'll come back uh, in your podcast feed tomorrow morning, and we will have um, more wishlist stuff, including on mine, um, Henry Ellenson averaging a 30 and 20. And I also want Dave Freed, the Knicks statistician, to jump over celebrity into Joel Embiid. Uh, we'll get into those, and we'll get into some more serious ones tomorrow on Locked on Knicks. And uh, one final reminder, we probably should have done this at the beginning of the podcast, but I totally forgot. Ideally, you saw it on Twitter. Um, we are doing our first Fan Friday, so we're going to record that Thursday night. Um, so you have all of uh, today, um, assuming you're listening to this podcast uh, Wednesday morning, and it's impossible that you're listening to it sooner because I will literally not post it before then. Um, you, you've all day to hit us up on Twitter. You can either comment on the post um, or you can DM us if you already DM'd us. Um, and, and I'll say if you already commented on the other post, because we can go back and look at that, though we might miss you. So I'd say maybe do it again. Um, but if you already DM'd us, you're, you're locked in, you're good to go. Um, we will take the most convincing answer. Uh, we will be influenced by crowd support if a lot of people like one tweet. Uh, that is some, certainly something we will look out for. So maybe that's an argument to not put in the DMs and make it public. But I'm just rambling on at this point. Uh, the point is, if you want to be on Fan Fridays, um, tomorrow is your chance to make your case. And remember, if you don't get on this week, don't be disappointed. Uh, I, I think, um, I mean, if we have enough interest, uh, we'll, we'll do it every Friday going forward. And if we don't have enough interest, maybe we'll make it a once a month thing. All right. So with that, we finish up this edition of Locked on Knicks. And we'll talk to you tomorrow.